Welcome back to Top 5 Disco. I'm Josh. And I'm Adam. And we are back delving deeper into the discography of Counting Crows. Last week, we introduced the band, talked about their early history and formation, and explored their classic debut album, August and Everything After. This week, we're going to talk about their edgier, heavier sophomore album, Recovering the Satellites. Here we go. Okay, so in the last episode, we did August and Everything After, and the band toured extensively on that record from, you know, 93 to 94. Yeah, almost like a year and a half, I think, which is so a lot. millions and millions and millions of copies. And they blew up while they were on the road. Yeah. So I'm sure that you was just how like... how exciting that would be? Yeah, they were just like... Well, like, I say seemed, that, and It yet. seemed like a different, you know, like this was happening to someone else, not us, because they weren't just like sitting at home watching this happen. They were just like working. Yeah. They were touring. They were doing headlining shows, but they're also opening for the Cranberries, mm-hmm. Suede, Bob Dylan. Yep. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned it in the last episode, um, but the biggest thing that happened in this time was that they added a new guitarist. New guitarist, yeah. not a nude guitarist. I just, I just want to clarify. <laughs> he was not just there naked in front of the uh, uh. in front of the band. But yes, they added a new guitarist, Dan Vickery. This happened right after, immediately, right before they toured. Yeah, um, and he is such a an integral part of this band. He's such an integral part of the sound now, especially yes. on this next album. For that we're sure, to talk about another thing is that Steve Bowman. The drummer leaves. After, I think after the tour. After the tour, yeah. okay. Um, I read that Adam had a nervous breakdown. Maybe that's involved in you know, sort of the comeuppance of fame that sort of threw Absolutely. him off a loop. Yeah, he you know is this sort of shy guy uh, who has trouble connecting to people. I mean, that's like the basis of almost all of his lyrics. So when it comes to being on the cover of every you know rolling stone on every everyone interview people noticing you in the streets it really got to him and lyrically uh this next album recovering the satellites is it's 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 all based on that it's recovering the satellites i think is basically the idea of you being shot up into the sky and then coming crashing down and i think for him it was this idea of just like how he was dealing with fame and then trying to sort of pick yourself back up and write songs again and be a person again and just enjoy life again. They only played, I read two concerts in 1995 and then spent the entire year writing new music. So I think basically there was a time. So during this period where he was just like freaking out about fame, I think I, I heard that Charlie, you know, called him up and was like, Hey man, you want to start writing music? And Adam was like, oh, I'm not in a band. He's like, oh, oh, I'm not in a band right now. Like, I'm just Adam today. Uh-huh. And it's just like this, it feels very Adam Duritz to me, but it's he was just really trying to distance himself from, from that. And then eventually, I think he realized he had all this stuff he needed to get out on record. Another thing uh, that I read at the time was um, they had uh, recorded another song, actually maybe a demo, um, called Einstein on the Beach, which we may talk about later in a later episode when we talk about B-sides mm-hmm. and and uh, other singles. But basically, I read that this became the number one, the band's first number one hit yeah. on the modern chart. It's crazy. Even after Mr. Mr. Jones. Jones was there the longest time and obviously was the most popular. But basically, this song Einstein on the Beach got so popular that it scared Adam because he was worried about even further overexposure and that sort of the popularity would not only turn people off, yes. but also turn him off of being famous. So he stopped. I think they were gonna, they were in the works, or they were gonna do a music video for Rain, Rain King. King. Yeah, and he was just like, "We got to stop." There's yeah. like too so much he just hype. Pumped the brakes on the whole band for a little bit, which 
maybe saved it. Who knows? Maybe if there was overexposure, they would not have been able to do all the things that they could now. Okay, so we've got our new guitarist, Dan Vickery. We also have a new drummer, Ben Mize. Ben Mize. And these two guys, Dan Vickery, Ben Mize, and the producer for this new album, oh. Gil Norton, who, who who is he recorded, Josh? Oh my God. Or who is he Echo produced, and the Bunny Man, Pixies, Pixies Catherine yeah. Wheel, and later Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. Dashboard Confessional, Jimmy Eat World. Wow. So he's got quite the repertoire. I think the Pixies was the one that uh, the Counting Crows was most excited about. They were just like, yeah. that Because they knew that the Pixies were like a huge influence on Nirvana. And Adam wanted a bigger sound for this record. Right. He, he to, knew to hear August and everything be. after and think, oh, they're going to work with the Pixies producer. It's like, what are yeah. they going to come out with? Yeah. And it's, you can see, you know, even from their tour, their tours in 94, you know, Adam has already written the song Children in Bloom, which appears on this record. And they're already playing that even with Steve Bowman in the band. And it's already harder. He already knew that there were these other songs, this other type of music that he wanted to play and record. And he, I think there was a lot of pressure actually to go back with T-Bone because he was such a big, you know, big, a big name. name. And, obviously, and because it was so successful. I right. Mean. And so they were just like, okay, you know what? Let's, Gil Norton did the Pixies, huge influence on Nirvana. We want this harder sound. We got to go with this. T-Bone would not be able to produce what we want. The ba- the album was, um, the album, we haven't even said the name, Recovering the Satellites, yep. his next album, was also mixed by this guy, Michael Barbiero, who did a lot of mixing for metal bands, Metallica, oh. Anthrax, Guns N' Roses, Interesting. but also mixed pop artists like Whitney Houston and Madonna. So you've got this wow. guy who's got this mixed of knowing heavy metal music and yeah. pop music and I think that really shows not only in the production but the mixing of this album mm-hmm. so let's talk about it Recovering the Satellites the second album came out in October we didn't say this last time but um, August came out in September a fall month this comes out in October a fall month mm-hmm. and I believe the next album comes out in November and really? I like how these first three records I've said in the beginning that this is a very autumnal band for me yes me too autumnal and winter actually oh, except for one album you know what I really want to say sorry you know I yeah. just I forgot to say this maybe in terms of how I got into the band it's not how I got into Breaking the band leaves. but yeah but the, <laughs> he knows the period when I really became obsessed with this band was this crazy imprinting period for me uh in terms of it was very early high school i was raking all the leaves in our yard and we have a pretty big yard as far as yeah. yards go <laughs> uh front and back and i just listened to non-stop counting crows raking these fall leaves and i think that really helped cement it as a fall band mm. for me uh yeah i just need to say that because <laughs> it went along with what you're saying this album, 14 songs long, 60 minutes. It's kind of, it's longer. Like the other, the last album was 50 minutes. Yeah, 52 minutes maybe. But this album is incredible. Incredible. This album is a masterpiece. So special. Or close to. It's also special. I don't, I mean, we, we're obviously going to be talking about all their albums. There's something about this album that is just so visceral. Visceral, timeless, to me it feels timeless in the production, and there's almost a quality that I really can't even explain. It's special, even compared to, I mean, we'll see how I rank my albums, but there's something about this that I think is really, you know, I'll talk about it when we rank our (laughs) albums in the last episode. I can't even do that yet. But yeah, again, 
the contrast between this and August is insane. I, I just can't imagine. Yeah. Because again, we both got into this band basically 10 years after they broke. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine being a fan of Counting Crows, loving, or being a very peripheral fan, knowing Mr. Jones, knowing Omaha, Anna Begins, whatever, which were sort of big live hits. And then hearing Recovering the Satellites is the it's it's insane. Yeah, they Catapult exploded. To Angels of the Silences. Angels like, of the what? Silences. How did they compare even... to Round Here? It's it's <laughs> nuts. It's nuts. The change, but it works so well, and it still very much sounds like them, despite being so heavy. It does at, at most um, at moist point. At most points. Moist points. <laughs> at, <laughs> at most, most points. points. Um, I read that this was primarily recorded and played live. Yeah, which makes me so happy as also, sort of. A, you know, <laughs> a lot of these songs were conceived during the recording process. Oh, that's cool. Aside from just recording live, I think August and Everything After were a lot of songs that Adam and the band had maybe just written. He- Again, I don't know yeah, what well, that's the writing why credits say, are. That's why people say you have your entire life to write your debut and then only a year or two to write your next album, right? Right. So they were able to do it, some of it, in the studio, and I think it captured a really nice, you're right, live feel. There are certain songs I really want to talk about that are just like, a few takes and i'm like what how did that yeah. happen dan is such a good guitar player it's nuts he's and a soloing writer all over these all songs over. but also his all of his picking noodlings it's like he is so good at writing these catchy pretty heart-wrenching parts all over to me this is the album where it starts to become so exciting to listen to any song because yeah. you're not sure What's going to come next yeah. in the song, both musically, lyrically, but also guitar-wise in each ear? Yeah, like the, the orchestra, again, this is, Adam considers this the first real Counting Crows record. He does, because with the addition of Ben and Dan, they become a band. I think he and I as well, and maybe you too, I just see it as a band record. It's not just Adam up. Right. Know, that's how we front. talked a little bit about August as sort of the back end. You said he was sort of the you know the the band leader right. and August sort of was, was to support him. Honestly, kind of a singer songwriter album. I yeah. didn't really mention that. A lot of people it, consider it. that. Yeah, it does feel that way. This really feels like a band recorded this. It feels like a huge step up in maturation to me of the sound as a whole. There's so much jamming going on at the ends of songs, which does not really happen on August. Charlie not only is doing all these things, but he also did the string arrangement. Arrangements right. for this there album. There's strings on this album. And the strings make this feel cinematic and yes. grand and important. Which continue for the next few albums. This it's, also, uh, as says in the liner notes, recorded in Hollywood, California in yet another big house on the hill. Yep. They sort of liked that. You said the last process was stressful, but it sounds like they liked recording in a house on a hill in LA. Yeah. And I'm sure they. I mean, I'm sure. I don't know if it's actually true. It's difficult to, to record any album or write any album, but I have a few. I, I know that this album was easier on them as a band. It, the first one was stressful. They didn't know what they were doing. They finally sort of sort of found their sound and they were able to do this comfortably uh, in their own time. So this album hit number one on the Billboard. That is mind-boggling to me. I mean, it, it makes sense because they were so popular with August that yeah. people were eagerly anticipating the next one. Exactly. But August only hit number four. This is their only number one album, Recovering the Satellites. It's just, it's bonkers to me. Even though, I think after August and everything after, every album did a little worse than the next one. Not true. In terms of reviews, no? Oh, reviews. Yeah. Okay, well, well, what I'm talking mean? about chart position. 
ah, because no, it sort no, no, of no, dipped down and came back up. I mean, I mean, in terms of critical review, you are absolutely right, and it's it is mind-boggling <laughs> <laughs> to me and to you. But I don't know that many people who know any other song on this album besides "A Long December." Which Maybe, is well, "Angels of the Silence" is I think I don't know "Angels knows of the Silence" is you know what's crazy? That song was on Rock Band. They actually oh, put like that the video game. Yeah, I didn't know that. Maybe they knew it was like the rockiest song, but <laughs> no, I agree. But I'm so excited to talk about this album and introduce all of you out there to Me this too. unbelievable record and so many songs that are not talked about that need to be talked about. Yes. Okay. Why don't you? Uh, this this was one of the hardest album lists for me to do because there's such a wealth of material on here. Yes. I'm staring at nine songs right now. Like I have <laughs> nine out of 14, which is... Okay, let's just do this. I want yes. you to start though. Number five for me is Children in Bloom. My number five is Children in Bloom. Yes. <laughs> My number four is Miller's Angels. Ooh. My number four is Catapult. Oh, yeah. I knew that would be there. Wow, I thought that would be higher for you. Uh, my number three is A Long December. The Mr. Jones spot of yeah. this album. <laughs> oh, that's interesting, actually. Um, my number three is I'm Not Sleeping. I also knew that would be on yours. My number two is Recovering the Satellites. My number two is Recovering the Satellites. And our collective number ones are Angels, Angels of, of the, the Silences, Silences, I'm sure. Okay, wow. So, very cool. We have the same number two, number one, and number five. We have three of the same. Four, in the same spot. In the same exact <laughs> spot, which is really exciting. I was expecting Have You Seen Me Lately to be on your list and much higher. Really? I've always considered that as one of your favorite songs in this album. I think or maybe it was, it's just because I never liked it. That's what it was. And I was always like, you got to give that song at least a that chance. That song... And Children in Bloom were the two fighting for five. I could not decide. I have noticed back and forth recently. You've been getting. It. You've been just been getting very into Have You Seen Me Lately. Yeah, I'll tell you the reason why it didn't make my list later. But those two songs, so much. This album is incredible and has grown on me more than any of their records. Oh. It, it has because I've always. I'm, I'm with you. Actually, I've always loved it, but so many of these songs I didn't love before, like. Children in Bloom. Have you seen me lately? Monkey. Uh, monkey. Yeah. I l monkey was fighting for a yep. spot. Miller's Angels was fighting for a spot. Daylight fading has grown tremendously on me. There are so still not long many December though. Eh? We'll get to my. <laughs> it's I'm. Yeah, it's similar to Mr. Jones. I'm for sure me a little bit in that ubiquity. But but let's just get right into it. I'm so excited to talk yeah. about this. Let's talk about our collective number five. Children in Bloom. Let's start off by this intro. Such a new sound. Yes. This so distorted organ. Or, so or, spacey, this yeah. atmospheric. I'll say ominous again, but a different kind of yeah. ominous. This album darker. in general, I mean, it's called Recovering the Satellites. I don't know if they did this purposely. Spacey? Exactly. It feels very spacey, like just kind of spacey sounds. And we promised earlier we were going to talk more about the album art than we did of our other series. We haven't. The first album is like bright and yellow. This album is like this dark, yes. heavy green dark with stars green. on yep. it, which 
perfectly encapsulates it. It's this exactly darker album. It's a spacier album. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so with this intro, they do this spacey landscape and one of the most beautiful picked guitar parts <sighs> ever, Dan, you fucking God. Actually, you know <laughs> Is what? Is it Dan? It's not Dan. I, I just realized. Sorry. That is Dave. Thank God. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> you start <laughs> holding with, it down. You start with round here, and then you go into something like this. But this this just builds quietly, quietly, and then just breaks open. Explodes. And the bass sound on this song. Bing, bing, oh bing, my bing, God, bing, Matt, bing, bing, you beautiful bing, bing, bastard! Uh, and these guitar splashes and yes. punctuations all throughout. There's this I just odd drum pattern. There's a bar of five sprinkled in there. You know, there's this like this one extra beat that goes on so it kind of pulls you in all these directions and then it all culminates in this chorus this chorus this is chorus. so groovy they are like sexy yeah. and sensual and rarely sound like this like maybe a little bit of the bridge and around here a little bit with that wah but it's not even the same it's not even wah it's yeah the every everything every instrumentalist comes together including adam love his melody yeah gotta get out on my own the bass is just killing it and there's this and then and that picked part the picked part from the intro is in the chorus and it's everything the orchestration is so good throughout these verses there's just these distorted guitar screeches and That's feedback <laughs> and the bass won't stop and adam's voice feels like it's ready to explode like when he says to open it sounds like his voice is ready to yes. just fucking open yes. like every time I don't know. Every time he sings, it's just bursting with this tension and release. That's all over this album, really. But yeah. Oh, man. Every time the Mellotron kind of hovers for a second, you know what I'm talking about? When they like hold that 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 chord and just... Kind of. Okay. <laughs> I, I love that sound. They, they just have never sounded this cool. That's just a weird word to use. No, but, I agree. That oh, chorus man. specifically, but also I was talking about contrast before. Contrasting that verse, everything we talked about, and what you were just saying with Adam's vocals and like the sort of yelpy and just emotive. And then it goes to this chorus, which is like, it kind of sucks in a little bit and everyone's playing like a very specific part and his melody is much lower. It's not as yelpy and so good. There's this epic instrumental bridge. Oh my God. One of my favorite melodies and lines on this song is, Nicole's my oldest friend, but the altar is empty and she'll never be a little girl again. So many notes and it yeah. just all works so but well. But that Nicole's my oldest friend. Nicole is his sister. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. And he talks, you know, in the first verse, he says, leave my sister alone because she don't deserve this. And now he's saying, is Nicole... Is like the fame? Is that... I think it's... I think the song is about... Um, I think it's kind of similar to Round Here. To me, that's how I take it. It's Children in Bloom. It's just like, I got to get out on my own. I got to get out from this waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, something to do with kind of... It's uh, our second Round Here connection. Yeah, childlike innocence compared to what real life actually is. We didn't really talk about the theme of Round Here, but you know, Round Here, they're talking about you know all these idioms. Right. Um, if that's what I mean. Yes. Like all these Round Here... Sayings, yeah. Um, we always stand up straight. We car- we're carving out our names, and the idea is like he grew up, and it's like that. What did that amount to? Absolutely nothing. And I feel like this is similar in a way. So this line: Nicole's my oldest friend, but the altar is empty, and she'll never be a little girl again. It's just a great way of talking about loss of innocence and 
adult life, I guess, yeah. in simple terms. I can't possibly go through how many vocal parts I love in this song. Yeah. But the, it's melting my uh, bones. Yeah. And just the ending, this intense climax of guitar and, yeah. soloing, it's just yelling, this, screeching. Get myself home. And just... It just erupts. This, this, this is song their is jam. Nuts. This song is nuts. This is when they just start jamming for the first time, and he starts riffing. So on the first album, you know, we talked about those like little vocalization nah, 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 <laughs> in the bridges and stuff yeah. like that. This is like, especially in like recovering the satellites and maybe a couple other songs on here. He just starts vocalizing. How was the song, August, you know, the same band that did August and Everything well, After? And it's crazy because you said this was actually I think the this oldest was like song. The, I think well, they played it live back when I they were touring. Good Night Elizabeth, which is on okay. this album, was actually the first one written for this album. Um, but I think this was probably second, which is crazy. I mean, this was really the first rock song that I'm they put out. So happy this song started connecting with me more than it ever had. Me I too. Mean, this is, it's amazing. So from there, we're going to go to my number four song, the opening track of the record, Catapult. say pokemon metotron what (laughs) you know how in i was gonna say beautiful it is beautiful but you know how in like in the pokemon games on game boy now i hear i hear my head pallet town yes is that kind of thing that always this (laughs) yes (laughs) this Mellotron intro always reminded me of that this is also the first time they use Mellotron, which becomes a staple of counting crow sound and is one of my favorite instruments sounds in music charlie's best purchase oh yes <laughs> yes yeah it's it just this it's mellotron so and on top of that again this is the first song on the record you hear this mellotron but you also hear this sort of distorted flangey like guitar strum going on yep. and this cool there's another keyboard somewhere in there mm-hmm. and then the drums come in and they just feel crisp and deep i love the sound of the drums on this album he plays ben plays a lot of low, low tom end. yes it's, exactly. it's very specifically the low tom which gives the album this dark doomier i got mine gonna say shimmer because that doesn't really <laughs> feel right but it it, it just it helps that what's also exciting and to be honest i don't know if i recognized if it happened on august but this album specifically really utilizes the concept of stereo sound where hmm. you get different guitars and different ears and so you, you yeah, it just yeah, feels yeah. i don't know i just think the production is better i just think it's sorry crisper T-bone. <laughs> and and louder i mean that's not exactly a production thing but maybe it is just i think there were still those like panning things in in august august but it's just so much more in your face because the band is more in your face on this album 
to me, when I listen to Catapult, even though I just raved tremendously about Round Here on the yeah. last record and how special it was, when you hear Catapult for the first time, or at least when I do, I'm just like, holy fucking shit, this band. Like, to me, it automatically hit the next level with Catapult. Yeah. Like, the way they transition from verse to chorus is so fluid and perfect. Yeah. Like, it just bled out of them. Hmm. The guitar solo is insane and killer, and it just starts building, building, building. And then Adam's vocals, as the guitar starts screeching more and more, yeah. I mean... Oh man, it's just nuts. Yes. That burns out your eyes, cause I know. Oh, there's just, he, it's just building and building. I just can't. Yeah, it, they, they, they master tension and release yes. on this album so well. Yes. And well this said. one just keeps building. It's just huge. And Adam just starts yelling and yelling. Oh man. I love the, first of all, just that first. All of a sudden, great melody, and then the mellotron goes, boo, doo, doo, bah, yeah. doo, that kind of call and response. Dan, 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 dan. Everything is weaving together the yes. guitars and the keys, yeah, and it's Hammond. Just great orchestrations, which I don't think the first album had, honestly. Not many. It wasn't anything like mind blowing, and I, this album blows my mind. Yeah, <laughs> um, the end specifically when he goes back to the I want to be the knife. And Ben is crashing on everything. Go watch you, Josh, and you, the listener, go watch the Catapult performance on David Letterman around this album. So good. I think I did in the past. Especially that part I was just saying. So good. Won't somebody take me, please? I like Uh, that they have maintained still, even when you were singing it, I could hear it. There is still a little slight country twang on his vocals. Despite he just naturally has that. Maybe. But but despite the music having little to none of that sound, at least in this song anymore, I I just love that they've maintained a little bit of that. It just makes their sound so special. I just. Agreed. I don't know what sounds like this. I don't like it's rock music, but it's so much more than that. I mean, that's we could say that about the whole it's just discography. Counting Crows. There's something that's really right. unique about them. And then, lastly, in terms of the music, I love Dan's little. Yes. Just at the end, just repeating that. It's just lyrically. So I read that this song is specifically about the death of Kurt Cobain. Yes, we got little revolvers and stupid stupid choices. choices. Yeah, it's it's really sad. And basically, Adam's feelings about their continued success in the wake of Nirvana's demise. Yeah, so again, Nirvana was, you know, they were label Label mates mates with Counting Crows. So like Adam, I don't think they were like very close friends, but they had met each other. You know, Adam was fond of Kurt. And right before the big Rolling Stone interview that they did, they found out that Kurt had shot himself. And I think that had a huge toll on Adam, who was already, you just said this, but already cracking under the pressure. Right, and And the idea that this You know, that's what Kurt Cobain did. Right, and that this could potentially happen to him. Like, that's just kind of who Adam is in terms of how he thinks about the world and yeah it's crazy and very sad but that's a that's a great lyric yeah and there's another little line that's not not necessarily special but to me it is because 
especially with this album, I find it darker and nighttimey. Mm -hmm. And so in my entire history of listening to the band, I like to listen to this album at night a okay. lot. And the lyric, I want to be the last thing that you hear when you're falling asleep, okay. as I'm listening to it at night, it's just, I, like I don't know, it's, it's speaking it's, to you. It's, it speaks to me. It's very special. I also like, there's little things about me that would sing in the silence of so much rejection in every connection I make. Even when you're, you're saying those lyrics, I know we were supposed to focus on the lyrics, but in my mind, I can just hear how great his vocals are <laughs> at that point. Because it all works together. He's yeah. He's singing the way he wants these words to come out which honestly i think is different for other bands sometimes you put your lyrics down and you want it to mean a certain thing but you also want it to just sound nice maybe and like i don't exactly know how he works as a songwriter but it just feels that way to me it feels mm. like he sings them the way they're supposed to be Effortless. heard or or yeah it's such a talent he's such a talent yeah okay from there we're going to go into adam's number four miller's angels So before we even talk about the song, what's interesting about this is this was written before the rest of the album. Hmm. I don't know if you knew that. It was written for a Sean Penn movie, The Crossing Guard, and Adam eventually pulled it from that uh, and decided to use it for the record. So it's produced by Marvin Etzioni, who's from the band Lone Justice, which Maria McKee is actually a part of. And interestingly enough, Marvin actually plays... uh, I believe it's Dobro or Slide. I think it's it's actually sorry, it's Mandolin on Mercury on the song oh, Mercury. Oh, oh. Uh but anyway, they recorded it in San Francisco, so it's very interesting. It feels like a different song. It feels like the black sheep of the record It kind feels of. like this album's raining in Baltimore yeah, to me. Exactly. Especially the, the beginning piano sounds a lot like it. I agree. Um but I think it's just interesting that it was its own thing and then got part, it became part of the album, which I think it works very well, but I agree it does feel kind of like the black sheep of the record. Yeah. But enough to make your list. I love this song. This it's, chorus is yeah. so goddamn beautiful. I, I his falsetto, the mellotron, the guitars, the twinkles, slide guitar. I mean, it is the song breathtaking. Is, it is. The song is so dynamic and dreamy and dreary, and it paints such a great picture musically and lyrically, even though I still don't really know what he's saying in the lyrics, but it paints such a great picture of depression. Hmm. Um, I just think that this is the band's most amazing musicianship. On this record, actually, I really do. Aside from wow. everything that goes on in all the other songs, especially, I mean, I haven't even talked about the body of the song, but the outro of this song I'm even going to start with right now is so special. I, I just got to play you a piece of the outro. I don't go out much these days. Sometimes I stay inside so leave me, leave me, leave For something so quiet, yeah, there's so much going on 
which I love. I think, I want to believe, I actually don't know, I want to believe that this is one live take. Hmm. Because you did say that a lot of it was recorded live, and I know specific songs where that's the case. But the, the band is just playing off each other and playing off of Adam in such a great way. I can't even sing all of them back to you, but every little Mellotron, like... Rise here and there, and and the slide guitars, and just like That's very Amy, by the soft. Way. Yeah, it, yes. So we were talking about David Immergluck, who introduced Dave and Adam to each other. He actually played mandolin on uh, August and Everything After. He plays slide guitar on this song here, and he shows up in the next album as well before actually joining the band um, as a permanent member. But there's like these. Ben on just brushes, everything. The brushes is a nice touch. There's just, oh, I can't get enough. To me, I'm going to take you off your high for a little bit. Oh, no. The reason this did not make my list is because they screwed it up so badly with this awkward, country fried, oh, my God. Terrible. The bridge? Yeah. First of all, didn't you love this song at one point or no? I still love this song. And this that part always turned you off? I wish it was just the pretty parts. I kind of like it. I have to say. Maybe <laughs> it, I'm just telling it, myself that. It completely takes me out of it. And it, it makes it a longer song than it needed to be, personally. And I don't, I'm not, I'm okay with long songs and they're long songs. But to me, it's out of place in an otherwise perfect song. I think it, I still like the contrast. You're yeah. talking about contrast. You're right. I mean, not for I still me. like that. I also love the melody. Uh, Please don't, 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 don't. And it's the same. Come around. Yeah, stop. <laughs> it's the same Adam, just like change, 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 change. Just don't, don't, don't come around. Yeah, but it's, the other parts of the song are so delicate. It just, to me, that's what I mean. This was on my short list, but it did not make it for that reason. Yeah, there was something about it this time around listening where I was just like, wow, they are so they are so good at listening to each other. This is what Adam wanted when he said everyone sit in a circle and play off each other. You can hear that immediately on Catapult. I mean, yeah. it's, it's everywhere. I mean, on this you can album. hear it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is just that's part of this band. That's what makes them so special. But I think making it a soft song, it really helps you hear the ears and how everyone's listening to each other but yeah that they come out of the blue skies they come out of the blue oh. well done <laughs> it's not easy to do i just i love the song i really do i could listen to it all time it's leave 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 yes. leave, leave me alone and i love just that they like they kind of get it out of time. He's just like the dun 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 dun. Uh, yeah, and there's uh, these little guitar touches. Well, that's what those yeah. are the touches I'm talking about throughout that entire last half. I also before he even sings that, the can't you hear me? Cause I'm screaming. Me, just everything. It's so you just see him hold up in his room, not wanting to leave, and. Sometimes I stay inside all day. Mm, I that, love this song. That bend. Anyway. So great. Great song. Okay, from there, we're going to go to my number three song, I'm Not Sleeping. She me when you whisper and she lies beside me. 
Sort of smiled when I picked it because yes, this has always been always always been one of my favorites on this album. Interestingly enough, it hasn't always hit me in that it's same way. Never hit you in the same way. You've always told me that, and I've always been like, "What is wrong with you?" I and I know. actually it thought still yesterday, hits me, just not yesterday in the, same in the way. car, yeah, I was hoping you would have a moment and throw this in your list the last second. Oh, I was I was jamming along to. I it. mean, I still love it. It's still Counting Crows, and it's hard for me to really hate a Counting Crows song, which there are some, but <laughs> yeah, of. Compared to a lot of them. I don't know why. I don't know why. This, even just the introduction, the intro to this song feels Very cinematic and yeah. special and unique. Something about the staccato strums and st- the string. Everything is just... The strings. This intro, these parts, this song is very string-oriented. Yeah. At times it sounds like a Bond theme or something. It's just <laughs> so string-heavy. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Paul Buckmaster. Yep. Oh man, there's such a nice snare shuffle in By the, the verses. By the way, sorry, I just want to say, Paul Buckmaster, we talked about on the last podcast, right? For in Brandy. Terms of Brandy, and there was actually a mistake in terms of <laughs> my bad. No, it's okay. I think Josh said that Paul uh, Paul Buckmaster actually arranged the the strings on this album. He was the conductor, conductor and Charlie arranged the strings. So I just wanted to clear that up. But sorry, still, Charlie. It's all good. But still, these strings are, are, gorgeous, <laughs> are gorgeous. Um, in the verses, there's just this really nice snare shuffle. There's nice keyboard. Yeah. And then, like I said, they fill spaces so nicely, whether it's with Mellotron mm-hmm. or feedback. Yes, bent guitar notes. Yeah, exactly. The verses feel so inebriated. Do you know what mm, I mean? Woozy, totally. Woozy and, again, contrast. It's all contrast. His vocals are on this are so good and so sultry and like pained and i've said it and i'll say it again the way he can build tension he just feels tense in the verses yes it's like i'm low yeah it's just very tense and then and also he's whispering parts which are really cool she lays me on the floor and then it just fucking erupts explodes his voice soars. The song soars. It's just, it's just everything. This is just, this song has so many moments where my eyes are bulging out of my head <laughs> because I can't believe what I'm listening to. These post-chorus oh parts God. are insane. They're insane. They're and insane. they just start like, the instruments start just like descending into madness. That's, ex- that's the perfect way. It, <laughs> it is descending into madness. Like you said, it's erupting to madness. The strings sound like they're about to pull a day in the life. Like they literally yeah. are starting to that's a great, that's a great evolve. Point. But they're also this part that that's like that one, two, man, it is so cool. And it's you also have Dan yeah. going, 
<laughs> it just somehow, and even from there, it somehow gets bigger. I, I like from there. How does it get bigger than that? I how know. does it get possibly get? And it does. The rain, rain, go away, come again, another day. And just the strings are massive and moving and brilliant and bonkers. I mean, he's so expressive. He's so expressive. Oh, wow. This song is insane. I see her in these animals that dance beside my bed. I, I like that. I just like the picture that that paints. I also just love that the lyrics are all, she does this, she, 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 she. And then eventually it's, I see her in this. I see her yeah. here. And one of the last lyrics he says is, my sister's mother's favorite son lost among the chosen ones. Just a great, again, he's very good at saying simple things a very unique way. He is his sister's mother's favorite son. Sister's mother. His yeah. sister's mother's yeah. son is him. And I just love that he's saying it like that. I'm noticing even actually when you've been talking out these lyrics um, yeah. without melody, he's also great at using rhyming that's not hokey. Yes. You know what I mean? He doesn't end it's not every perfectly. It's not perfect. And he also doesn't end every stanza with the rhyme. Sometimes the rhymes are within yes. the stanzas. That's yes. really creative. Yeah. That's really, it's really special. Yep. Okay, from there, we're going to go to Adam's number three, the big hit song from this album, The Ballad, A Long December. One more day up in the canyon, and it's one more night in Hollywood. It's so long since I've seen the ocean, I guess I should. This is a very special song to me uh, for a lot of reasons. First of all, definitely one of the first things I ever learned on piano. A lot of Counting Crow stuff was the first stuff I learned on piano, uh, unsurprisingly. Um, also, I got very into this song when I sang it for my acapella group in high school. The, the group is called Acapella. Acapella. You can actually find the recording on YouTube, but I'm not too happy with it. This was a song that was written and recorded in less than 24 hours. Eight they did eight takes. They chose one of those takes. It was recorded live, aside from like a harmony that was put on it after. It's insane. But, and, it was, and it was done in the recording studio. This wasn't like planned for the album. Basically, a friend of his was run over by a car. Oh, my God. And she was in the hospital, and he was visiting her. Uh, just like every day. And then he basically came home one night, wrote this song, and then the next day taught it to the band. They played it, and that was it. And that's the song. So I just find that to be so special. But as a song, this is a great pop ballad. Yes. No. <laughs> it is. It just, for me, unfortunately suffers the same fate as the overplayed ubiquity of Mr. Have Jones. Have you not been able to listen back and forget like imagine you heard it for the first time i have to me the verses are a little chord 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 i mean it's still not to me yes this is a great pop rock ballad but this is not what makes the counting crows special to me fair enough this song does not does not say this is counting crows to me and also i said when i'm making these lists i'm trying to figure out the five songs that i want to grab right now i want to listen to right now or the songs that i would tell someone to listen mm -hmm. to and to me i just don't 
this is a great song, and I'll you know lovingly sing like along to Counting it. Crows. It's not Counting Crows, amazing. Like we were just you know creaming over the last few songs to me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I really do get that, and I was having, I was wondering, you know, I was I was with mom and dad the other day. And we were talking about, you know, they knew that Counting Crows was going to be on the podcast. And they were like, oh, is Long December going to be like oh, another really? one? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I haven't yeah. really figured it out yet. I didn't really know where to put it on my list if it was going to be there at all. But thinking back on it, I would always go back to this song when listening to this record, even if I just listened to all the other songs. And there's something about it as a whole that I think works really well. It doesn't stray too far from itself melodically or chordally or rhythmically, and I really like it. It's just a very good, compact song. I will say, we've talked about um, other records and bands. Um, what am I trying to say here? I wish A Long December was the actual closer of this album. I agree. I, I agree. We'll talk a little bit about the little nothingness walkaways. of Walkaways no, no, afterwards. I don't feel as strongly about it as but you. A Long December is a great anthem and yes. it's a great and it's a somber. It's also a hopeful, maybe this year will be better than the last. Yes, and it would have fit perfectly as the closer. And it I just, would. I'm we'll, bummed that we'll it's We'll talk not. about Walkaways at yeah. the end of this episode. but It's a great melody. It's so easy. It's so... I don't know. It's, yeah. it's it's a perfect melody. It really is. I mean, I love the one more day up in the canyons. That canyons. Yeah. Oh, again, they're just as a band, they're just playing off of each other and knowing that this happened in eight takes. I like I'm guessing these these guys, the Dan and whoever, they're just like playing alongside Adam. It's not like, okay, play this now or play that. They're just like, okay, what works with the song? It's amazing. And Again, this also just sounds like a classic. It is a classic. It is. It's a classic to me. It's a, it's, it's a 90s classic. This was also one of the biggest songs for them in the 90s. And in general, I love Dan's... I was going to say, my favorite part of the entire song is when he does that as soon as the chorus starts in the last chorus. Yes, it just explodes. It, it, it makes the chorus feel new yeah. again, like when he does that. Yeah. It's, it gives it such a nice little taste. Having a chorus... and. I guess I would consider this the chorus, not the pre-chorus. Having a chorus that's na-na-na-na-na-na-na, that's very different, I think. It's very simple for them, lyrically. It is. Again, no lyrics. It's back to the same band that was playing Miller's Angels. One more day up in the canyon. One more night in Hollywood. Boom. Just all these little little things. Little tasteful bits. Love the song. Great track. Okay, so now we're hitting the big time. This is our collective number two, second favorite song on the album, the title track, Recovering the Satellites. time i hear the first second the first few seconds of this song yes my body yes, is like i, I know i'm in for something special mm-hmm. it just sounds important I, I just got a little chills right now yes it sounds important and something about the guitar feedback ambience and yes. the high bass like he's playing it high yes. on the neck yep. and there's this nice cymbal crash that opens the whole thing up mm-hmm. and like i don't know 
Talk, you know, we were talking about in uh, time and time again that drone base. Yeah, this is the same exact thing where it just it helps the anticipation into the chorus. And again, there's like one time where Matt goes down to the, but everything about it, this verse is so great and so effortless, effortless, anticipatory, beautiful melodies. I'm gonna get back to basics in sky now wow. and then As that maybe effect. was shot down in peace and throughout all this there's just explosions of color yes. coming on different ears explosion of colors in your in your different ears from the different guitars that are just per, it's just perfection they're just yeah. filling i was gonna say filling spaces which sounds negative right but like, it sounds superfluous but yeah, it's not it's it just makes everything feel right. Everything is in its right place. And it sounds like the title song of of the album. You know? I, I was gonna say also it I sounds said like satellite. This also could could have been the closer. I would have loved if this was the closer. Mm. I could definitely see that more so than Walkaways. It is at an interesting like the number 10 spot yeah, on exactly. a 14 song right album, the... but I mean that, I don't, that doesn't really matter to me, to be honest. Yeah. Um the chorus just bursts and i love i love i love that melody and harmony why'd you come home great perfect oh everything the chorus is just splashes of sound and color and feeling it starts off sung kind of gently but then just yep oh man it's and then the descending guitar riff that takes you out of the chorus is everything It's almost like Shiver by Coldplay, how great that guitar lick yep. is. There's something similar about this lick that's that's just so well written and just it literally bridges different parts of the song that I love so much. Yes. I agree 100%. And it goes over those this chord progression that's like just at the beginning and happens just after the bridge. It's it doesn't happen a whole lot, but it's a very special part of the song when that happens. And there the, are so many special so parts many. of the song. When he goes I love that. Yes. Great vocal build into the bridge. And also what I love is that the bridge it's not just like okay, here's a random bridge. It's the same feel, and I think it's the same chords as the rest of the song, but his melody is different, and... says i don't i don't need need to he sounds weary on this song like like he's tired but again that's not uh, that's not a negative he just is so expressive with what he's saying it just it just resonates with me so much and then the ending of this song yeah is holy shit great yeah it is the band building and building and building i've already used this expression before but these songs are insane like the guitars really take it to the next level. I yeah. mean, especially at the end. They There's do. just so much going on. They do. And again, it's Adam just vocalizing. And... 
just love I love that he and it makes it feel live again the last one actually I was just doing an across the wire version when he goes that's the thing I just yeah these songs are fantastic their live versions are fantastic and if you think the melodies in this song are great listen to some live versions where he adds more there's just so much to love about this song yeah this was also fighting for number one I mean I adore this song and finally let's talk about our favorite song on the whole record. Incredible. I just said earlier that Recovering was fighting for number one. I lied. This is Angels of the Sciences. This is really close to an emo punk song. I can't believe this song exists, to be frank. Yeah. Like, it's a, this it's is, a perfect song. It's a mis- perfect song. It is a perfect song. <laughs> I, I use that, you know, with hyperbole many times. Not this time. I agree. This... I, so we've got little <laughs> notes here and there, the two of us, so we can, re, you know, sort of remind ourselves of things. I chose not to write anything for this song because wow there is nothing i could say to really capture how this song makes me feel this is huge it is this is fast this is intense <laughs> propulsive exciting you excuse me <laughs> I'm getting choked up here <laughs> yearning exuberant it's just out of the gate speeding down the freeway the best fucking song you've never heard ooh like, well this said. is the best fucking song. They rock so fucking hard on this song. And every every single melody he has come up with is amazing. Oh, and oh my God. Yeah, I can't you're doing the same thing. I can barely talk about this song because there's so many parts. There's so many melodies. The way they transition from each different part of the song to yes. the other melody, the harmony on the chorus, the what sounds like a, a tempo change a little bit in the chorus when just the way they're they're playing I don't know I, I just <laughs> something about this song it's nonstop inexplicable my my heart starts beating faster yeah. when I hear it I mean I, I the chorus all my sins I said that I would pay for them if I could and the harmony on that and ugh. all my innocence is wasted on the dead end dreaming yes josh is singing like the bridge and what what oh when that happens it's huge and it's like i can't even tell if it's like out of the key they go to a chord that they haven't gone to yet and it's so huge one of my favorite moments that this band has ever done And Dan's guitar. Oh, Dan's guitar. Well, you mean the solo? Yeah. Even before that, I just got to talk about, because <laughs> Matt, I know we love Matt, but in that, he's going, it's just yeah. like, ugh. But yes, Dan, his solo, the end of the solo is so good. It's so good. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. And then the last verse, it's like down and soft in a dream of Michelangelo. Michelangelo. When I'm lying in my bed, 
And then there's an outro. The song keeps on giving. There's the, not a second wasted. There's not truly. a second. There's not a space. Nope. There's it's just nothing but this incredible song that you need to hear right now. Okay, now that we've wrapped up our top five, let's talk about some of the other songs that are on this album. And this, like I said, was so hard for me to rank because there's so many great songs. Yeah. So the album opens with Catapult, we talked about, and then goes into Angels of the Silences. You know what I forgot to mention about Angels? Angels of the Silences was the second song I ever heard by them because that's the opening to their greatest hits, which is uh, a bold move yeah. to open with that song because not until Saturday nights and Sunday mornings do they ever get that heavy. Yep. So it's sort of a black sheep on their discography, you know, looking at the greatest hits. For oh, sure, man. but that's what they wanted people I to know. hear. I love that. They know. I love that. Uh, yeah. Creative control. Yep. So Catapult to Angels of the Silences. And the third song is Daylight Fading. So this song, like I said earlier, drew, grew on me tremendously. This is the first time that brings back that sort of alt-country sound. Flair, yeah, for yeah. sure. But it's also peppy and bright, and there's nice piano everywhere. Yeah. It's the a chorus, great verse melody. Yeah. Oh, go for the chorus. <laughs> it is a great verse melody. I just think that the chorus is very infectious. Yeah. Daylight fading, come and waste another year, and then moonlight creeping around the, and the corners harmony is all of over our that. long. Yeah. Great, and Dan has great picking parts throughout. I love the bridge where Adam's just la la la, and Dan's got this great picking part. There's so much REM all over this song, especially really? I got the twelve-string guitar. Oh, also, yeah. is all over uh, their discography, and this song yeah. I just hear so much REM. Oh man, this has never been one of my absolute favorites, but it's wonderful and it's it's lovely. Lovely, I love it. There's strings that come in at the end. Another guitar solo that's yeah. great. There's this one extremely honest and bare lyric. I heard you let somebody get their fingers into you. Yeah. Again, he could mean metaphorically or he could mean literally. Yeah. Either way, I love how just naked he can get. That's a great word for it. Yeah. Visceral also. Okay, from there we talked about I'm Not Sleeping, and then we'll go into Goodnight Elizabeth. This is the first real kind of downer, slow ballad. Yeah. It, this could have fit easily on August and everything. For else. sure. And it was the you first had, song you had mentioned that. for this, this album. This sounds like an so. August song, really. It doesn't really fit on this album. Yeah. It's a nice breakup song. I don't love it. I really don't. It's pretty much the same chords for it's five a, minutes. It's a simple chord, really simple chord progression. There's like a nice guitar melody that goes over it. You know that sound that you hear at the beginning? The. Yes. So it sounds like it's someone snapping. It's supposedly a Zippo lighter. Oh, that's cool. Did you know that? No. Ben, I just read on the liner notes like Ben plays a Zippo lighter. That's definitely oh, what it that's is. That's cool. Um, I respect the song for sure. It, it feels did... kind of like a lighter waving song yeah, like at a speaking concert. Speaking of Zippo lighter, yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Maybe um, that's what he wanted. It was a subliminal cue for everyone to start lighting up. But you know how we said time and time again the repeated chorus works? I don't. I, it just kind of drudges on for me. This whole song it's is slow. kind of it's drudges a mid-tempo on for slow. me. Yeah. Um, I love when he gets into his higher register, though, and starts vocal noodling at the end. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I agree. It's great. And uh, another, another line that's very similar to the daylight fading. He says, I'll wait for you while she slips in something comfortable. I'll miss you when I'm slipping in between. Mm. That is great way great of just saying sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, there's one line that he says, we couldn't all be cowboys. Yeah. And he sings it like a cowboy. Couldn't all be <laughs> cowboys. <laughs> anyway, not a huge fan of this song, to be yep. perfectly honest. 
And from there, we go into Children of Bloom. And then from Children of Bloom, we go into Have You Seen Me Lately. This song was the biggest grower on the entire album for me because I used to not like it at all. And then Do you this remember why? Made, it's the same reason why it didn't make my top five. Okay. Let me just start with the, the great. Go ahead. This, I mean, there's so much great. This, this song is amazing. I, I should have put this on my list. <laughs> no, I shouldn't have. Okay. No, no, no. There was a reason. The, the way he... This song is so heavy and so emotive and the band sounds amazing and there's so many vocal this is probably some of his best vocals on the whole album i think hmm. on this song the thing that keeps this off is the chorus this is not a good chorus you know what's interesting i need to just make this comparison now this song especially in terms of the beat is very similar to a song that they do later in their discography insignificant where i also I was know mention it. it's significant it's the same thing where i, I also know the have the you chorus, seen me lately problem yeah where, where the chorus uh does not hit it you the fo- same way it doesn't hit me at all it's such a lame weak chorus i just it's such a bummer for how phenomenal the rest of this song is that when we finally get to it's just like I'm just, allowed on the radio. I don't it's not it's not incredible. It's I think it's good. I don't think it's it bad. It is such a you dip in quality that becomes distracting to me that I I couldn't give it that five spot. But Fair oh enough. my god, him just belting, this isn't gonna be easy. But I don't oh man, need I just you. adore his vocals all over this thing. The last verse, the give me a green eyes. He rips his vocal cords on that. It's amazing. It's great vocal performance for sure. One of my favorite moments on the album is it's the breathing in and out and in. I love the way Uh he sings that. I love what the band is doing. There's another great guitar solo in this song. Yes, I love the when he hits that green eyes at the end. It's just that's what I'm saying. I know you're saying it. It's Uh. just it's nuts. It's I don't want to get negative here, but I don't know if he'll be able to sing these songs anymore. Or no, 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 no. Hasn't for we a while. We should talk about this, but we don't need to talk about it necessarily <laughs> in depth at this moment. But for sure, I mean, he—I'm pretty. I don't think he like for a while was taking care of his voice. Yeah. He was just getting up there and singing because that's what he knows how to do, and that's what Counting Crows is. So I can never fault him for that. But for sure, you know, twenty-five years plus they've been together just ripping his voice so like apart his voice is is different now yeah. so he can't sing some of these songs the same way unless they change the key but it's so- mostly the high notes though i don't want to like he's still an unbelievable vocalist and you know emoter and melody creator melody like everything <laughs> but but just some of these insane high notes and energy yes. You're not going to hear anymore. I know. So, like, listen to the shit out of this song yes, and the live versions that come with it. So, what's also nice about this song is that, um, especially on the VH1 Storytellers uh, album, there is a an acoustic version that's not just you know stripped down it's and completely and different. It's, yeah, the melody the is very different. Yeah. But it's just a little piece of me. I don't need anyone these days. I feel like I'm fading. Sometimes I want to hear myself on the radio 
From there, we went to Miller's Angels. And then let's talk about another Horse Dreamer's Blues. So this one, I remember also, along with Have You Seen Me Lately, I would be like, Josh, no, you got to listen to this song. This song has actually dipped for dipped. me. Dipped, okay. Yeah, I don't love it as much as I used to. I like, I love the sound more than the song. I think it's very cool and unique for them. It's jazzy. It's jazzy and it feels like a carnival ride, which yeah. which is, by the way, imagery that they use in multiple albums. And this is talking um, about, you know, horses and racetracks and it, something. It, the song feels like a merry-go-round in rhythm, mm-hmm. in guitar, in melody. I'm not crazy about his... I really don't like it. And I think it it gets so annoying and it ruins the instrumental ending at the end mm. for sure. It's like, I don't even want to ruin it for you guys, but it's like not that great. Yeah. I still really like it. The ending that he's belting out. Drunken fathers and stupid mothers and boys who can't tell one One girl girl from another. It's a really powerful moment of the song. I also love uh, Dan's part in the chorus. There's some nice There's strings. There's a great effect on that guitar, too. I like, yes. I like that delay. Oh, or and the, also, uh, reverb, rather. I, I really like the bridge, too. There's this awesome, jazzy kind of splash. It sounds like a dream. Like it's it's yeah. a very... And Charlie has these sick, crunchy... It's a cool song. Not essential. Great line from this. Marjorie's wingspans, all feathers and Coke cans, and TV dinners and letters she won't send. I love when he uses mundane things there's yeah. another song later uh, there's a couple songs actually in their discography where they talk about birthday ca- like little yeah, things yeah, yeah. coke cans i don't know he uses them in such a poetic way that typically aren't used mm-hmm. in poetry and i appreciate that for sure and you might hear like coke that you know someone else might sing that you know there's on accidentally in love which we'll talk about obviously at some point strawberry ice he sings cream. strawberry ice cream i don't mind that there's a Weezer song that sings, and in the blah, I don't know what it is, we're eating ice cream, and I'm like, that is so fucking stupid. That's, uh, it, put me back together. It depends on how you use these things, but I agree. I think, I think he uses it really well. From there, Recovering the Satellites, the title song, and then we get into Monkey. Monkey. Which also grew on me tremendously. Oh, I love yeah. this song. Me I too. love this song. The this verses just get to me something specifically about the verses like i like the chorus it's nice it's pleasant it's the band they are grooving so hard and it's really the drummer it's ben really doing those things with Just you know he adds those simple psh, crashes psh, psh, psh. to me yeah. that makes the whole song i love the piano voicings dan's all of dan's little guitar noodles and adam's just that staying on that all dressed up, no place to go. Hey, monkey. There's that note. Like, mm-hmm. he does that on a couple other songs where you just hit that note that feels right over all the chords. The chorus is okay. It's nothing special to it's, me. It's pleasant. It's nice. But then the next verse, when they bring in this, this cool, like, vocal keyboard combination. Oh, yeah. man. It is so freaking cool. It's just so cool. And then when you start guitar welling that... Yes. Oh, oh man. His solo. The beginning of his, his solo is solo. so. It just wails. And if it's listen beautiful. to the solo and then listen to the next verse, because the one of the coolest parts of the entire song is when he brings back 
a part of his solo during Ooh. I'm in trouble for the things I need. And he's like doing that. the same thing. He did yeah, the yeah, solo yeah. and it recall, recalling that it was just brilliant. It was just a, such a smart move and it really pulls the song together at the end. I, I love this song. necessarily need to talk about the personal lives of any of these band members band members but it is interesting to note that adam duritz did date uh, miss courtney cox yes and i believe she is the monkey on this she album. is i think a lot of this i say that you know as a term of affection for sure yes like my monkey. And i'm sure i'm sure he does too i hope i mean i don't know i think a lot of the material on this album is about their relationship mm-hmm. to be honest i think it really ended poorly i have seen quotes from him i think i saw a live performance when he performed this only a couple of years ago where he talks about the girl that this is about is just an awful human being hey. like he really does not think highly of her anymore i don't know what that's about but i have a feeling she's the same person talked about in mercury he says monkey in Recovering the Satellites. Yep. I think it's all related to that because, you know, he was living in Hollywood. I'm sure that's where they got together. And I'm, I don't know how long the relationship was, but it is interesting just to have that in the back of your mind that some of these are about the Friends star. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Courtney. Courtney Cox, I love you. <laughs> so then we go into Mercury. I've never been a fan of this song at all. Yeah. It's been, it's kind of a drag. I will say, the recorded version is not bad. It's not a bad, bad song. Yeah. But when I've I've seen them play live five times, and they've played this a few times, mm-hmm. and I hate when they play this live. That's so interesting. I hate you it like worse. It better I like it better record. on the record because they draw it out yeah. so well, long. At some point, you want it to end <laughs> because it's it's not no, one I of Counting Crows' like, best thank songs. God, for this sure. song is so short because yeah. it's not bad. There's cool percussion and nice harmonica and. This felt like it should have been on August, but it shouldn't have been on any album, to be honest. I like, agree. This this album is too long. This album is too long. They needed to cut songs. They should have cut this one. I think they should have cut another Horse Dreamers Blues. And I actually, and I think they should have cut the last song. Oh, well, there's good. No- I don't even know. I would cut Walkaways, which is just like totally. a minute and we'll get there 20 next. seconds. But in this song, I like that it's in 7-4. That's kind of mm, cool for true. them. It's There's one nice chord change, but really that's the only it's a, thing. It's a blues progression, yeah. which for me... It's never been your MO. No, I like, they're just so overused. I don't need it. I like that there's dobro and harmonica, which we haven't heard yet uh, from Counting Crows until this point. I think Adam's playing the harmonica, right? I thought I saw one of the credits in harmonica. Maybe it's not this album. I will say, like I said, I'm trying to figure out why. I think typically I love Adam and I love his stories and his and his lyricism and poetry and I like when he introduces songs. This song he always talks about for so fucking long and it, it gets... For the first time, listening to him talk about Mercury, this is not a song about love. This is a song about addiction. This is a, not a song about love. This is, like, uh, shut up. Just like, it's the first time I'm like, chill. Like, just stop talking. It's the first time that I get annoyed and I feel like it's a little cloying. And I think mostly the live versions have rubbed off on me that I just like don't want to listen to this song ever. I mean, in general, I don't really want to listen to this song. Yeah. I really don't care about it that much. Uh, this song is, too, is sorry this album is too long cut it 
And then finally, we've made Speaking reference. Speaking of cutting songs. <laughs> yeah, we've made reference a couple times. Long December ends on a nice, beautiful anthem conclusion. Nice na-na-nas. Adam's beautiful, you know, sort of yeah. warbled vocals at the end. And then uh, a pointless little short ditty. The thing is that this on This Desert Life, their next album, and the album after that, they have these hidden tracks. They could have done this as a hidden track honestly i know you probably disagree but i don't think it needed its own song this song doesn't go anywhere to me i don't even even if it was longer i would have been like to me it's superfluous but it's harmless i actually think so i agree harmlessness it makes it more of a problem would you have felt differently if it was not at the end of the album? No. I actually no think it would have been worse. It would have been worse no, if it was song, in the middle of the album. This song is a skeleton of a song. And to me, there's a bit of a, of a, a bit of a lame cliche to do an acoustic soft song at the end of an album. Hmm. And it feels like they just threw this on here to do that. It does kind of feel like that. I like it because you don't usually hear Adam in guitar. There's a lot of Adam and piano, and there's rarely just guitar and Adam. Mm. So I think that's kind of a nice thing to have for Counting Crows fans. That's fair. Also, the the guitar just feels so 90s. I don't know what it is about <laughs> that. It just brings me back to 90s. Huh. And Anyway, that's how the album concludes. And that was Recovering the Satellites. So after that, they did a co-headlining tour with the Wallflowers. Um, it was like a long tour. And then... Adam, I heard, developed nodules on yeah. his vocal cords. That sucks. I also heard... This is what we're talking about. He was just, like, screaming. I also heard that they had, like, a four-night stint at the Beacon Theater in New mm-hmm. York. I'm not sure what you know what year exactly. But on, like, the first night, he jumped off the drums... And, like, and, like bent ripped. his knee Yeah, he, like, tore backwards. all the cartilage and ligaments in his knee. And, like, the rest of the tour was, like, on a cane and stuff. Yeah. And, like, he broke himself after touring yeah. this album. And he's a rock star. He's, he became a rock star. Um, separate from that, we've talked a little bit about this, but I need to urge listeners to really check out Across a Wire. They released this, which to me is sort of unheard of, double live album, especially for a band who only has two, two albums. albums. I don't know how Geffen was like cool with this, but I think it's because... I, I, I think they were just... Really, that good that good that special of a band and a live band specifically they knew that this band was like half a live band aside from all the recordings and if you listen to these especially vh1 storytellers impeccable just impeccable musicianship musicianship <laughs> and the way he changes these songs and the I, fact that he can strip them down he the band can strip them down to something so nice and even that uh, the uh opposite of that is ghost train which i was mentioning last time is he bigger right than, added things than august and everything after's version so across a wire is two live albums in one there's the vh1 storytellers um, which they recorded in like a Chelsea studio, mm-hmm. and then MTV Live at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York. So there's one half, you know, one disc, which is this beautiful acoustic version, or rather, uh, live album, and the second is, you know, a big live record. Yeah. Um, for storytellers, I read that they had a self-imposed rule that if they didn't have a new arrangement significantly different different than the recorded version, they were not going to play it on storytellers, yes. which is so. I just have so much respect for I them. I know. To that's do just that. them. Yeah. They just do what they want to do and they and and especially live performances. It's a different you get something different at every live performance and that was a really special one. Like recovering the satellites, we clearly both adore. We really like August too. But to me, like 
to understand this era of counting crows, you need to get across a wire. I, yeah. I can't stress that enough. Like, I agree. It, it's it's an incredible encapsulation of what they sounded like at the time, both from that folksy, you know, beginnings of August and the heavy, insane recovering the satellites. And it's just heightened versions of all of those songs that they have on record. And, you know, you and I yesterday were talking about like... We were trying to look for a video of VH1 storytellers and that kind of thing. And I heard Adam say they have the video of VH1 storytellers. They have the video of the Hammerstein Ballroom concert, I think. Maybe I'm wrong about that one. They have a video that I think the two directors who did Little Miss Sunshine, I don't actually know who that is. When they were first starting out, they recorded a bunch of footage from the recording of Recovering the Satellites. And... The music video of Angels of the Silences was taken from a specific concert that they also have footage to. So he has all of this, in on this footage. Vault. So I don't know if there's going to be some, you know, release at some point of well, all we've that. But already I passed wait. twenty years of recovering. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe in the future, the maybe next decade, twenty fifth year. Yeah. You know, which is only a few years away. But anyway. Josh and I both are obviously just gushing over this album. Extremely special. Adam considers, considers it the first Counting Crows record. Get this record. Thanks for listening to Top 5 Disco, part two in our in-depth discussion, dissection, debate, and analysis of Counting Crows' entire discography. Now that we've discussed the band's second album and heavier follow-up, Recovering the Satellites, tune in next week where we explore their psychedelic and colorful third album, This Desert Life. But before that, we want to know your thoughts, your opinions, and your personal top fives for Counting Crows. What are your top five favorite songs on Recovering the Satellites and why? Do you prefer the heavier rocking crows or the more country folk crows? Reach out and let us know. You can support us and help Top 5 Disco grow simply by subscribing to this podcast so you can get the new episodes as soon as they come out. And you can find and follow us on Facebook and Twitter and now Instagram for behind-the-scenes goodies and an easy way to connect. Also, don't forget to tell your music-loving friends and family all about us. Thank you so much again for listening. Tune in next time. And remember, it's really all disco.